Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for each one of you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Sharing space and wisdom with us today on the show is a man who from the first moment I met, I knew was going to be a lifelong brother of mine. His ability to bring forth deep wisdom while keeping the room around him laughing is something that I have found to be the telltale sign of an old soul. He is an embodiment coach where he helps his clients rediscover the joy of being themselves, is a world-class musician, having seriously blown me away after the first time I met him in Austin back in December, is the host of the Bridge Between podcast, and is the co-founder of The Bridge Between, a community dedicated to supporting, recognizing, and holding the space necessary to allow each of us to see the uniqueness in ourselves and mirror it back for one another to benefit and thrive from. So, without further ado, please help me in welcoming my man, Ian Mills, to the show. Ian, my man, what is up? <laughs> Long time <Right>. no talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you so much, brother, for such a, a beautiful introduction. So excited to be here with you and to do a, a turn and burn on the podcast today. Hell yeah. Uh, had a beautiful time <laughs> talking to you this afternoon and I'm really looking forward to this as well. Yeah, man, you are so welcome. I mean, all of that is 100% true. I was sharing it with you at the end of the podcast we did for your, The Bridge Between, you know, that the first time I met you in Austin we were out in the yard and you played a song and I was like, damn, this kid's good, right? You know, it's like a thing like game recognized game. Music's been a huge part of my life for my entire life. And for a long time, I actually got away from playing music. And I remember you and I conversed about that when we were in Austin, how like, you know, really you inspired me to dive even deeper back into music for the last year. Like luckily, once again, like we were talking about in your podcast, thank God COVID happened. It gave me so much more time to like, connect back to things that I had, you know, neglected for a while. And after seeing you do that, I was like, man, yeah, this is definitely a path I want to get back into because I want to start playing for the cannabis ceremonies, which I'm mm-hmm. so excited that we get to do in Oregon when I come up in a couple of weeks, man. <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah. Thank you for reflecting that back. And it's been a real blessing in COVID around that truthfully, because for such a long time, when that was like, it's like there was a time when that was the thing that I wanted to do. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to be a famous musician, right? And like yeah. moved to Nashville and did the whole <laughs> shebang and like played at all the bars and the open mics and to rooms full of ears that weren't really down to listen to what I had to say. And it was disheartening in the way, but it was also a reflection of like where I was at because yeah. it wasn't coming from like the desire to share. It wasn't coming from the heart. It was coming from a place of like, I want people to recognize me. I want that glamorous lifestyle and it kind of like discouraged me away from music for quite a while um there was like a two-year window where i wasn't really writing music Mm. was hardly practicing had lost touch with a really really important piece of myself and and it wasn't until covid hit and i was forced into isolation (laughs) for a time (laughs) yeah that that isolation did not last very long mind you found <laughs> I've had more more travel more <laughs> connection more community yeah. than I had ever had before yeah but something that it did was remind me like how much I love playing mm. like how much my heart and my soul loves playing not like my ego and my 
my meat suit, although yeah. it's all, you know, it's all <laughs> interwoven. Yeah. But getting to share that song with you all in Austin was, uh, was actually like a really big activation for me as well. And a yeah. deep reminder of like why I enjoy doing that. Yeah. I felt that ripple effect for sure. And like, it's always nice to hear that other musicians go through similar things, right? Especially someone who I'm so close with like you, where, you know, it's like, okay, cool. I'm not the only one that loses touch for a few years and then gets back on, you know? And I think for me, like, one of the things that, you know, did it the most was I was always a metalhead, you know, and like, then I got really into electronic music. And I think my identity shift, like I was like, so like Dark Knight of the Soul when that happened. I remember like putting on Skrillex and being like, like the metalhead in me was just like, what are you doing? You know? And Who so, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who am I? It's actually just recently. Well, I mean, like, you know, a couple of years after getting into electronic music, I found like grammatic and people that were doing a combination of the both. And just recently, you know, that which started because of seeing you play in Austin, I'm now like, okay, I want to get into DJing and playing guitar while I DJ. And that's like my mm. new thing, just like Grizz does with saxophone, but me with guitar. Yeah, fuck you yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> so I'd love it, man, if we could take a journey through some of the high points of how you got to where you are today, because, you know, like you were saying, you went to Nashville, you had all these different aspects of your life, all these different chapters of your life. And so I'd love to hear you bring us through like what got you to sitting here in front of me on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, brother. So I, I grew up in the heart of Oregon wine country, about an hour away from Portland, where I live currently. And, you know, had two parents that like really, really loved me and growing up had a really strong family unit. Um, my dad made plenty of money. We, we lived in a beautiful home. Uh, and then when I was quite young, my parents split up. Mm. You know, it was probably eight or nine at the time. And, you know, like that's such a common thing that happens to people. But I think the repercussions that I realized later on in life were like way greater than I ever could have seen at the mm -hmm. time. And so, you know, when I was like 12, 13, that really started to hit me like that kind of broken family feeling. And there was like a particular fight with my mother that ended with us not speaking for years, mm -hmm. like actually until I was almost 18. Yeah. And in that time, that's when like some really unhealthy parts of my identity started to form. You know, I lost my virginity at a very young age and very quickly became um, like really dependent on my sexuality and relationships for my primary source of validation. Hmm. Very destructive for me and hurt a lot of people along the way. And that's when I uh, that's when I discovered substances, was very young as well, like 13, 14. Um, my older brother was an addict growing up, so mm -hmm. I always had access to everything and was like in a kind of shadowy way encouraged to do things because <laughs> him and I were, were best friends. So my early like teenage years, I had tried Oxycontin and Vicodin and cocaine, and pretty mm -hmm. much every pharmaceutical substance and many non-pharmaceutical substances. And by the time I was 18, I felt like I couldn't relate to anybody mm -hmm. that was like my own age. You know, I, I felt like completely isolated. And yeah, when I was around the age of 18, uh, I got my first job working in a kitchen. And like that was a, a really big part of my life for quite some time because I was really fucking good at it. Mm. Like I got really, really good at cooking 
at all aspects of running. And like by the time I was 20 years old, I was like managing restaurants in the back of house and had become somewhat of like a local celebrity in my hometown and had worked <laughs> like worked at all of the different like high end restaurants. And then when I was, I want to say I was, I think I was 20 at this point and really in an unhealthy space. I was in like community college at the time. I was living in a one bedroom apartment by myself in Salem, Oregon, mm -hmm. uh, working two different jobs and like miserable coming home pretty much every day, either from work or from school, um, immediately like smoking a bowl, sitting down on the couch and just turning on the TV to like mm -hmm. immediately numb myself out. And there was a, a moment, like a really pivotal moment when I got fired from one of my jobs. And it was like, that was my main source of income. I was working like a stupid amount every week, like 60, 70 hours so I could pay for school in my apartment. And I got fired. I didn't know, like I had no idea what I was going to do. So the next day I got on my computer and I started looking up like seasonal jobs in the area. It's like, I need somewhere I can like work and pay no rent basically. And I just want to like get, get away from all this for a little while. And I found a job uh, working as the sous chef in this little restaurant in a town called Maupin, Oregon, which is like a tiny town of 500 people in central Oregon along the Deschutes River. Mm. And it's a huge whitewater rafting town. Dope. And so I got there and I started working in the restaurant, which was like a gnarly restaurant. And I fucking hated it. <laughs> and, but I, I really quickly discovered that I could go on free rafting trips with the company that the, and it was a big resort. So they had a rafting company as well. So I started going out on trips like every single day after work or before work or on my days off. And then I got the opportunity to start training to be like a whitewater rafting guide. It's like, fuck yeah. Okay. I'm going to like lean into that a little bit. And that was actually like the first. You know, looking, I didn't realize it at the time, but that was the first time I ever started to feel like innately connected to God mm. and the universe as a whole. Because what I recognized was just like other things that put me in a flow state, like music or, or cooking or, or movement, yoga, or, you know, making love, whatever the thing is. Yeah. When I was on the water, I had this really beautiful recognition that I am not in control of anything other than myself and my ability to do this job properly depends on me being able to flow with life, mm. like literally my ability to flow with the river and on broader terms, the river of life as we know <laughs> it, right? Yeah. And so that job shifted things for me in a really big way. And in the meantime, while I was, you know, having that spiritual experience, I was also like getting off work every day and doing blow with all of the other raft guides and drinking a ton of beer and being like very mindless and unhealthy. <laughs> but, but I was starting to cultivate like a new way of being. And, uh, the following year, um, I was 21 and I was at the Oregon Eclipse Festival. Mm and i was there too yeah you were there too yeah, yeah that's dude. right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were oh, under the man. same uh the same uh sky the same eclipse oh, beautiful <laughs> well 
So the last day of the eclipse, um, like I guess the day of the eclipse, the day before the festival ended, I had my first ever like tangible spiritual awakening mm. and it came in the form of, you know, a kind of divine cosmic lover that mm. I just like literally ran into on the last night. One of those like, oh, we met eyes and everything changed kind of experiences. <laughs> And I was working on the river at the time. I was living in a school bus that was like parked in the parking lot right right by the river. So every day, like my routine was get up, swim in the water, take rafting trips out, come back, maybe party, maybe nap, you know, whatever. <laughs> and this this woman, she was living in Connecticut at the time. And she was supposed to fly home a couple of days later. So I'm like, well... What if instead of going to Connecticut, you just come live with me in my school bus on the Deschutes and we'll just fucking play in the river every day? Oh, my God. And uh, we had, like, the most amazing time together. We were, like, doing acid and going on rafting trips and, like, oh laying on the God. roof of the school bus, just looking at the stars at night and falling, like, madly deeply in love. She was the first person that... I felt ever like really saw me for the potential of who I could become and, and actually hold me in that light. And, um, without going into too many details about how the relationship ended, um, when it ended, I was left with the revelation that I was nowhere close to actually embodying that person. It was like being, you know, having the veil lifted and being shown the vision of like, this is who you could be. This is how you could feel. This is how good life can be. But at the same time, the really deep recognition that I have so much to uncover and work through in order to actually feel like that person. And at the time, I didn't know where to turn. You know, I didn't really have like a resource that I could look to. I'd never heard of the terms like masculine feminine like mm -hmm. like embodiment or, or i had no like no idea about any of this and like i fucking spiraled for a minute um had like a dark night of the soul and uh that led me into a six-month journey that i went on from um like i sold all of my belongings uh, packed everything that I had left aside from like my instruments into a four, like a 40 liter backpack, like a teeny tiny <laughs> little backpack. And I got on a plane to Mexico and I spent the next six months like bumming around, working at hostels, living in hostels, trying to pretend to learn how to surf, um, swimming in the ocean every day, seeing some really beautiful sights, um, and working my way down to Costa Rica. Mm. Where I ended up at Envision, another music festival. Dope. Where I actually saw that woman <laughs> that like like we neither of us had any idea the other person was going to be there. I was like literally standing on the beach walking back into the festival grounds and we ran into each other. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> and which was another wake up call. Because when I saw her, I was like, oh my god. God, this still hurts mm -hmm. like, so bad. Like I thought I was doing all of this healing and I was going on this grand adventure and I was going to feel better because I'm doing all these external things. Mm -hmm. Why do I still feel so bad? Mm. So I came back from that experience and 
immediately, like I came back to Oregon, um, was staying back in my hometown, had picked up a job uh, bartending, and I met this woman named Beth. And we were both musicians. We were both like deeply troubled and looking to run away from our problems and just wanted to like get out of Dodge. And so uh, we moved to Nashville Mm. and uh, I was in Nashville for about a year. We were living in a home together, like had a dog pretty like in the first relationship I'd been in that actually felt like in a way sustainable or healthy. And I started to sabotage it. And, you know, I'd moved there with the intention of, you know, being a musician, like a paid performer and even sabotage that to a degree. Uh, because I said at the beginning, it, it wasn't really coming from the right place. Like I, I wanted to feel validated for being me from like all external sources, partner, strangers, like fans, whatever the thing was. And um, I had found a job there that I was like very, very good, very successful at. Um, I'd been bartending for quite some time and I got a job working at like the best restaurant in all of Nashville and was making a bunch of money and got to do a bunch of like really, really cool projects. But again, was still feeling like, like it wasn't right. Like it's still, there was still really no aspect of my life that truly felt fulfilling to me. And like I said, I sabotaged the relationship. We ended up breaking up and I came back to Oregon again, like tail tucked, had like shame, like washed up in shame um, about, you know, this feeling that I had failed. I hadn't made it. I had set all these goals for myself. I hadn't met any of them. And like a second dark night of the soul where like I had nowhere left to turn, but home. And so that was fairly recent, truthfully. I mean, that was uh, around 2019 that I came back probably that fall. And when I got back to Oregon, I can't remember exactly how the opportunity came up, but it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a yoga class. Mm. Like, you know, I've gone to yoga classes before, like festivals and things, and and I like it. Um, I'm just going to go to one. Mm -hmm. And so I went to this studio um, in my hometown of McMinnville and I went to a class and I like immediately connected with both of the owners of the, of the studio and started going every single day. Like literally every day I would go to the studio, I would practice. Um, I would stay and talk to Leslie or Rose. And within a couple of months, the opportunity came up to, uh, do a yoga teacher training. Mm. And that was like something I had never even considered a possibility of. I'm like, there was no part of myself that was like, yeah, I'm going to teach yoga and like meditation and stuff. It's going to be great. <laughs> like completely out of the blue. Um, but that practice um, was really the first time that I ever started to look inside of myself for love, mm. for validation, um, for worthiness, like that was the first time anyone had ever um, told me or shown me that if I just get still enough, like I actually have all of the answers that I need and I can actually see clearly 
the parts of myself that need my love in order for me to embody that like capital P potential version of myself that mm-hmm. I saw when I was younger. And so I dove the fuck in like head first, completely into the philosophy, into the physical practice, into breath work, into meditation and immersed myself in it for uh, about a year. And it was during that time that COVID <laughs> And so, you know, I was uh, 23, 24. Um, and all of a sudden, like, lost my job. Didn't have, and I had just finished my training. I was just about to start teaching in the studio. Studio closed down. Wow. Um, and... And it was also at this time that I was, I was seeing, I was seeing this woman and, uh, I had this really big recognition because I was still, um, even after like the work that I had done and starting to get, you know, feeling better about myself, um, like shadow work galore, working through a bunch of things. I was still like, I had all of this shame coming up around relationship, Mm. Um, all of the shame coming up about feeling worthy of being with someone like her that I thought was, you know, so great and who is so great. But, and so I was like, okay, I need to like take a break from this. Like I haven't been single in a long time, much less like not having some kind of sexual or romantic entanglement. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be celibate Mm. for, however long it takes for me to feel different than I do now. Mm-hmm. And that was back in like February of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so for the next six months, I like committed myself to myself in a really big way. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started my podcast. That was when like I started playing music again, when I started writing and drawing and doing art again. Um, and it was around that time that I discovered the fit for service, um, which I had been introduced to previously by the Aubrey Marcus podcast. And I applied for it in, in the fall of last year, you know, I had gone in there with still kind of the like imposter syndrome assumption, like, Oh, this is, this is a container full of like fucking special people, go-getters, winners, like really successful human beings across all aspects of life. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to apply anyways. And 15 minutes after I applied, I got an immediate message back asking like a couple of follow-up questions, um, answered the questions, got accepted, and entered into like the subsequent four months that radically shifted things in my life. Um, Truthfully, I would say like 90% of the people that I know now and spend time with now are from that experience. You are actually like in a roundabout <laughs> way, like yeah. you are one of those people that I yeah. encountered from that community. Cause you know, by two degrees of separation, that's how you and I met in Austin. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was the first time I had ever been like in a large collective group of people that I actually felt like, saw and accepted the wholeness of who I am, not just the shiny and pretty parts and not just what I could do for them, but like every single piece of the puzzle was so important and valid to them. And that like in that container is where I met Autumn, who is the co-founder of the bridge between 
um, in that container is where I met Cecilia, who's now my partner. (laughs) Like in that container is where I met the best friends that I have now. And, and all of that to say, um, that it brought me into the place where I am now, which is, um, you know, in the same way that I do for any of my clients, I'm just like rediscovering the joy of being myself. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes through like in the, the podcasts that I get to do in the music that I get to do and like, and holding meditation space and teaching movement classes and, and all of the aspects of my life now, uh, that at the time never quite felt like the, like it never quite felt like the thing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's because it wasn't the thing. <laughs> and and that, that's like the big aha moment I've had. And, and I, I got to experience that in a really big way a couple of weeks ago in Austin at another similar to the, the event that you and I met where I just showed up and I got to spend the weekend like cooking delicious meals for people <laughs> and holding space for people and like opening ceremony and playing music and like all of the things that I love. And that's when it clicked for me. It was like, I don't need to do one thing. I don't. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and I don't want to do one thing. I want to create a life that supports me by doing the full spectrum of the things that I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where I'm at now. Dude, what a beautiful journey, man. You know, it's so cool to know that we have been in similar circles and just hadn't met each other yet, like Oregon Eclipse. And then actually I applied for fit for service and got in. And just had way too many other things going at the time. So I messaged him back and said, like, hey, like, just right now, I just can't do it. Um, And it's funny to think that, like, it would have been we would have met there like 100 percent, you know, and like like attracts like and, you know, we were meant to meet each other regardless. And so we did. (laughs) And, uh, you know, what I really thought about when you were thinking when you were talking about that was a couple of different things. Number one being the idea that the your mess becomes your mission right mm-hmm. and like that's one of my favorite like concepts to think about because anytime that i'm going through something challenging i'm like okay my soul family entrusted me with this mission because it knew that i would be the one that could handle this so number 1 what does that mean about me and number 2 what what can i take from this mess and create more of my mission And I think that's so incredible to like really be able to embody because, you know, there are so many people that and, you know, to put it back on me and not project, I was someone who made myself a victim for so long, right? Like, oh, why me? Why me? Why me? And, you know, like that's one of the the things like stinking thinking, right? That Paul Check always Mm -hmm. talks about that I love because it's hilarious when he says it, (laughs) just the way he says it. But, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, in all of that, you were able to find the lessons, even if you didn't know what the lesson was at the time, you entrusted in yourself to lead you to the right spot. And I think that is something that, you know, further, you know, shows me that, you know, this isn't your first or probably even hundredth lifetime, you know, like it takes a while to be able to take, you know, L's like that in stride. And man, like, you know, that, that journey down in Mexico, especially at that young of an age and doing all that, man, that's, that's incredible. You know, I mean, I went to uh, Mexico for my first time this year 
And it was amazing. And I realized real quick, like, oh, my God, like it's like, you know, when you when you get out of the bubble that is America, you realize a lot of things. Right. You realize the propaganda that's out there. And then you also realize like, oh, this is what it feels like to not speak a language. Right. That that, you know, that you're around people. And and I had so much compassion and empathy for those that come up here. And, you know, people were like, oh, why do I have to press one for English? It's like, guys, like it's like <laughs> it's one of those things where it just it really struck me, struck me deeply, you know, jumping into the timeline of you becoming interested in the coaching space and being guide and mentor for others like. When you started to jump into that timeline, because it seems like we had a very similar type of like dark night of the soul. Mine was with like the job I had in plant medicines. Yours was discovering like, you know what? Like I've been uh, in like uh, serial relationships, essentially like doing relationship to relationship to relationship. And in doing so, like losing the relationship I have with myself. Right. Mm. And so like in getting into that space with coaching, guiding and mentoring, like what would you say your favorite part has been thus far of like being able to shepherd people on their journeys? Because, you know, I can imagine that you get a lot of fulfillment from that. Right. And so I'm curious what your favorite aspect so far has been. Mm. That's a really beautiful reflection mm. and question. And yeah. um, I, I want to reiterate one thing that really <laughs> stuck out to me and it, it was your mess becomes your mission. Mm. And I was like, I was actually like quite a, like, like a hit, it hit me yeah. in a really beautiful way. Yeah. And truthfully, I mean, there's there's many parts of, of this work that I, I get like a really deep sense of gratitude about. I would say the first and foremost is that I truly believe that at the core of who we all are, or, you know, again, I'll speak for myself, like the core of who I am, yeah. and I presume everyone else as <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> is, is that there is a desire to be of service to other people. Mm-hmm. And you can see it. And I mean, I'm sure there there are professions that perhaps have like an inherently negative net, like net worth for the world yeah. <laughs> as a whole, as far as like happiness and fulfillment. Yeah. But but so much of what we do as human beings is to support one another. Mm. I mean, you know, like an electrician or a plumber, it's like not just fixing the plumbing in their own house, <laughs> yeah. not just doing like yeah. working on the electrical in their own house. Yeah. Like it's always for the kind of common goal mm. of being of service in some way to humanity. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when I reflect on the aspects of my life that I had found previously, that was kind of a common theme among them all was connection and support. Um, you know, when I was, when I was like cooking, it was a lot, there was a lot of joy I found in creating like very, very beautiful meals for people. Mm. And I was like kind of a gathering space to come together. When I started working behind the bar, like I love connecting with people one-on-one mm-hmm. and I love being the kind of like bartender therapist person as well. <laughs> And, you know, eventually I got out of it because I realized I was, you know, poisoning people's bodies. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if, if, if you want to drink, that's your thing. But yeah. excessively, like, that's where I started to, to have to draw back from it. Yeah. Um, same thing with rafting. Um, like, I love giving people an experience, mm. like a really, really beautiful experience. Um, same thing when I got into teaching yoga and meditation. It's like cultivating a container where someone can feel the essence of what they are and so as i got into the coaching world um it was it it was exactly the same feeling but the most like pure form of it that i had found Mm -hmm. um 
And, and that brings me a tremendous amount of joy because what, what I also recognize, and, and this is to bring it back to like your mess becomes your mission mm-hmm. is I know experientially somatically what it feels like to shift from that place of like disconnection to connection of scarcity to abundance of, of, you know, fear and, and, and scarcity into love. Mm -hmm. And so every time I get to work with someone and like shift that within them, like it kind of triggers that in me as well. Mm -hmm. Like I know, like I know how good this feels. I really do. And I'm so grateful to be able to provide that kind of container for someone. Mm. And then in a, you know, kind of less selfish way, I'm also very aware that, that the reason I'm doing this, you know, and it's, you know, it supports me and that's a really beautiful gift, but that there is like a higher thing that I'm serving. And, and to some degree, like, yeah, we could, we could call it God, we could call it the universe, but really what I see it more as, as a, is, is a shift in the collective of humanity mm-hmm. and not in like a, a overblown kind of pompous way, like oh, I'm changing the earth, but there are a lot of us here like yourself and myself and the community that we've built for ourselves who are all committed to helping people break through limiting beliefs mm. and every single person that we help break through limiting beliefs and create like a more optimized functional and abundant lifestyle the more the rest of us get built up as well. Yeah. Man. So like it, that that's one of my favorite parts about it is like the knowledge that I'm not doing this alone. There are thousands of other people who are doing this work as well. And it's all for this or for the most part, all for this common goal of like, we genuinely want to make the world a happier, more functional, enjoyable place to live. Yeah, man. That was so beautifully said, very poetic, and I loved it, man, because, you know, what I thought about is is something that I, like, laugh about quite often, which is, like, you know, this uh, this movement that's starting, because it really, I mean, you know, it's it's not even just starting, but to us, like, you know, it's it's now a thing mm-hmm. that we're involved in and doing a lot, and it's funny because when I think about it, like, helping other humans, like, guiding other humans to, like, uh, uh, get them to uh, relinquish those limiting beliefs and step into their power. All those things is really one of the most basic human like principles and human actions Mm -hmm. you could possibly think of. Right. And then we look at retreats, right? Like what is a retreat? Mm -hmm. It's like people that are like-minded getting together and supporting one another through uh, challenging times. And you think about like, this is tribal societies just coming back online. Right. And what a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing. And so I definitely feel you, man. Like, when I, when I am like facilitating and being of service in the way of coaching, um, you know, it, it feels like the most like primordial human, um, uh, feeling, you know, and something that, you know, I definitely had to, uh, become aware of very quickly. I imagine you did too. When you're working with people 
and a lot of them are going through very challenging things is being able to protect your own energy, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think, you know, just like how the mechanic always has the, the worst car and like the electrician, his house, his lights aren't working. He's like, just, just do this, this little <laughs> hack, whatever. Cause at the end of the day, like, you know, you do this stuff all day and sometimes when you get home, you're tired and it's like the last thing you want to work on is your own car, or your own, you know, being, et cetera. I think, you know, at this point, you and I have definitely moved past that, but I'm curious, you know, for those listening, because a lot of people listening are in these roles of like light workers and coaches and therapists and guides and, you know, um, all those different types of roles. I'm curious, you know, what some of your favorite tools are to be able to, you know, keep your cup full because, you know, when you're going out and you're giving out a lot of your energy, if you don't have like, uh, either one way or multiple ways to mm-hmm. ensure that your cup is being refilled, then it's like a quick recipe for burnout. And I know me speaking for myself. Oh man, did I, did I get into some burnout, you know? And, and luckily it was during COVID. So I didn't have to be <laughs> that like, you know, I was, I could, I could take the time to, you know, recuperate. And also it took a lot of awareness to realize what was happening and just wake up and just be tired and go to bed too late and all these things. So I'm curious, like what you found, if you found that in your journey and if so, like what things you've done to remediate that in your own life? Yeah, I've absolutely found that. (laughs) (laughs) We all make that mistake. (laughs) For for sure. And, you know, I think the, you know, keep kind of keeping with that analogy of you know the mechanic always having the rundown car the electrician always having the shoddy electrical work in his house it's like i think that the the most powerful thing for me was was shifting that in the way of like i'm going to make sure that i have the best running car in the world Mm -hmm. so i can make it to work every day on time to work on someone's car hell yeah you know it's like it's almost in a way it's like shifting the perspective away from the selfish, like the the feeling of it. It's selfish to take care of myself every day. Like it's selfish to put myself first every day. When in reality, like if my car is broken down, I'm not going to be able to get to where I need to be to work on someone else's car. So the, the number one priority for me is you know, I assume for you as well, because your podcast is called Highly Optimized. <laughs> like the number one priority for me is to keep myself highly optimized. Mm-hmm. And and for me, that's just having like as consistent as I can of a daily routine mm-hmm. of things that I know are going to set myself up for success. Mm-hmm. Like I don't book any kind of call until after 11 or 1130 because I know that I need the first like three or four hours of my day to be for me. Yes. So like that's every morning waking up and spending first 30 minutes moving my body and then 30 minutes in stillness and then 30 minutes doing something that is just like enjoyable for me. Um, Mm -hmm. That could be playing the guitar or reading a book or like researching something that I'm interested online um, making sure that I'm like really hydrated throughout the entire day, <laughs> that I'm feeding my body good food, that I'm taking the supplements that are necessary for me to like stay at a like solid grounded level. Mm-hmm. And that also means the the biggest game changer of a practice for me has been um, in the moments throughout my day where I realize that I am 
like spiraling into a negative or limiting thought pattern. I don't keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I notice something like that come up, unless, unless I'm like on a call with somebody and I can't take the opportunity to stop. But if I were say like sitting here and like editing a podcast or like finding a video clip to put out or whatever the, whatever, like the kind of, um, work project that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. If I notice myself, like something like that come up, like I immediately sit back and feel into that. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really big game changer for me because it's like taking the process of mindfulness and meditation and integrating it into my everyday life. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the big questions that I've started asking myself is how much like of my soul, how much of my heart can I be doing everything that I do with? Mm. So in the moments where I feel myself slipping out of that heart space, I just take the time, whether it's 30 seconds or a minute or 10 minutes to bring myself back into the heart space. Mm. And that also comes with kind of setting my day up around Like what activities do I know that I have? What tools do I know I have at my disposal um, that bring me joy that I can do like in the time where I don't necessarily have like something to do? Mm -hmm. Like how can I practice being in the space in between, you know, my objective activities? And that for me is like, okay, if I've got a 30 minute window in the afternoon where, you know, I could spend like drinking another cup of coffee or like getting on my phone and scrolling through Instagram. What if instead I like pick up my book and I just read for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. or what if instead I pick up my guitar and I just sit and like fuck around on the guitar for 30 Mm -hmm. minutes. Sorry. Am I, am I allowed to swear? Oh dude. Yeah. We're highly optimized, man. We can do whatever we want. (laughs) (laughs) We make rules here. Yeah. Said fuck like six times. Okay. You let me say fuck on your podcast. It'd be messed up if I was like, Aiden, you can't say fuck on here. You know? Okay. I'm glad that we clarified, but it's like, it's like i you know we spend like the people in this industry especially and and i this is the trap that i fell into when i got into like personal development and i started practicing yoga meditation every day is that i would do it for the allotted time during the day when i was training to do it or supposed to do it Mm -hmm. and then i would compartmentalize it into that part of the day and and just you know go back to being a normal um (laughs) you know someone Someone said to me, uh, like last week that sometimes humans just need to be a piece of shit for a little while. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so like sometimes like I'm going to take, I'm going to take a day yeah, and I'm going to like, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to watch TV. I might eat some mochi. Yeah. Like I'm going to smoke weed and take naps. I'm going to play Grand Theft Auto, you know, and (laughs) for real, like I'm going to take some time to be a piece of shit human. Not in a negative way, just because, like, I don't want to be on constantly. Yeah. Like, I don't want to burn my... For sure. Yeah. Like, that's where a lot of the burnout can come from. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like all of these tools and skills and practices that I've spent thousands of dollars learning and Mm -hmm. developing, like, how can I actually lean on those and integrate those into every single day of my life? And, and that, that to me truly is like, that is the practice, um, to, to walk the, 
walk the walk Mm -hmm. and not just talk the talk. Like everything that I would ever suggest to a person that I'm working with, if I'm not doing that for myself as well, then like, I'm not going to suggest it. Yeah. Like every, everything that I'm going to do in a program with someone um, is something that I'm going to do in my everyday life mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm as functioning as well as I can for yeah. myself and my lover and my friends and my clients mm-hmm. and, and anyone else that I come into contact with because, mm-hmm. and, and really this kind of brings it back to the, the for the good of all kind of concept that we were speaking of is I can like talk and talk and talk and do at someone all day Mm -hmm. but what is going to give someone like the real permission to lean into the truth of who they are is if i do as much as i can to embody the truth of who i am Mm. throughout the day in every single moment and the way that i do that is by making sure that i'm always doing the things (laughs) that that are like real for me and, and are joyous to me yeah Dude, I love that too. And, you know, I wrote down uh, so many things. Um, The first thing was um, being selflessly selfish, right? Like it's, Mm. it's, it's not only okay to take time to make sure that you're okay. It's your duty, right? Because as you were just saying, like, if you don't take that time to like wind down and just allow yourself to like be different shades of yourself and be off sometimes and, you know, whatever, then you're just going to risk burnout and you're not going to be uh, uh, your full self when you need to be on for your clients, for your lover, for your friends, for yourself, right? And, you know, um, I realize that a lot of the times, you know, with uh, the states of mind I get into, when when you were talking about how when you uh, find yourself in certain states, you're like, okay, I'm going to stop doing this right now. You know, like if I if I feel upset or if I feel weird, I'm just going to stop. And that's a great awareness because it it's something that I've come into too with the with the quote, you can't solve a problem from the same level of thinking that created it, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes like the analogy I always use is that the trap that so many of us fall into, the trap that I have fallen into so many times, which is one of the things I help my clients through now and just everyone else too, is that like, a lot of times what happens, and I find this especially with men, because, you know, we have a special shit sandwich that we deal with as being men <laughs> without emotions, uh, you know, having to pay thousands of dollars to learn to cry again, like we were talking about <laughs> in your podcast, that like, you know, we have an issue, right? We have a challenge. We, we feel weird. We don't know why, right? It's not like a math problem where you're like, okay, I do this thing and I figure out the answer. You don't know why, right? All you know is that the more you think about it, the worse it's getting, right? And mm-hmm. so the analogy I use is that imagine there's a traffic jam. Right. And essentially what you're doing is going, all right, this traffic jam sucks. Uh, we're going to put a hundred more cars into it. That will fix it. Right. That's essentially what you're doing by trying to think your way out of it. And so I love pattern interrupts, right? Like you were talking about guitar. The number one thing for me that works every single time, cold shower. Like, dude, Mm. if I'm like just stuck in stinking thinking, I go jump in a cold shower and it's like, and I don't even remember what I was upset about. It literally shocks my system out of it, you know, and that's been amazing for me. And, and really like it comes down to, or it's came down to for me, um, which is exactly what you were getting at here is like just putting less pressure on myself, you know, like stop taking myself so seriously, right? Like with podcasts, with anything, if I forget my words, it's like, whatever, I'm just going to tell people I forgot my words. Like they'll be able to understand. And if they don't, cool. I don't want to listen to my podcast anyway. Like, you know, it's like, I don't hold myself to that high of a standard. So why is anyone else going to, you know? And so like, I think that's, 
such a great piece of wisdom, you know, to, to put less pressure on yourself. Like sometimes allow yourself to like, you know, be a piece of shit for a day. Right. Which like, I totally get what you mean by that because like our version of being like, quote unquote, a piece of shit is just not living every second, like meditating or doing whatever. Right. (laughs) And that's again, like the pressure we put on ourselves. So like, you know, sometimes, especially like that is the one thing I do love Boston winters for, right? Because every mm-hmm. once in a while, we'll get a blizzard, you know, uh, the forecast says we get one once a week, but we almost never get them. Uh, they're like, oh, it's going to be a big one. And then it just ends up like an inch. But when there's an actual real blizzard, you know, I'll just allow myself to like use cannabis when I wake up, you know, take the day mm-hmm. off of working out, play Grand Theft Auto, right? Like play Battlefield, do something that's going to completely throw me for a loop. And what usually happens is within three hours, I'm like, oh my God, I really want to meditate. I really want to do breath work. I really want to work out now. And so instead of forcing it when I didn't want to do it, now I've remembered why I love it, you know? And so I I go there from an actual wanting in, in my heart, you know? And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned also was, you know, basically i forget the exact words you used but what the theme i got from it is like creating safety in your body like sometimes it takes you know 10 seconds sometimes take a minute i think you were talking about with breaths you know and Mm -hmm. and so like that's something that um i heard chris marhefka talking about the other day in training camp like you know when you realize that you're that you're not feeling safe in your being take time to do some parasympathetic box breathing and hey, you know what? It might take one breath. It might take a hundred, right? But sit there until you feel safe without judgment. Like, oh my God, I should be, you know, I should be feeling, you know, safer than this already and all the stories that come up around it. And, you know, as a quick little question that I'm curious on, have you realized that um, as you've moved farther into this role you're in now and being very aware of your being, of your state of being, of the people you're around, et cetera, have you noticed your language switch? Mm. in a really profound way yeah truthfully same um it and and it's like it's it's really subtle things mm-hmm. but it it's moments where i'll catch myself like either not not even mid-thought it actually happens more as i am speaking mm-hmm. you know like i'll catch myself throwing out a can't or mm-hmm. don't or like an always or a never or i think or i'm trying yeah like i catch i catch myself in these little like really subtle limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. like very, very subtle, almost mm-hmm. imperceptible. And it was actually through podcasting that I started gaining more of that awareness because mm-hmm. I would listen back to an episode I had recorded and I would realize all of the places like A, where I fill in filler words mm-hmm. or B, where I I place some kind of limiting concept on something I'm speaking of or a, or a definite concept around something mm-hmm. I'm speaking of. And I've recognized more and more, especially as I study um, archetypes on mm. a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think of the the magician or the wizard archetype, you know, our ability to actually manifest, create the reality mm-hmm. that we're living in mm-hmm. and that there's so much potency in the way that we use language. Mm-hmm. Um, it is actually like the most powerful tool that human beings have. It you know, we've, and we've had it for such a short amount of time, you know, in, in our evolution as what we are now, we have, you know, and this is a really cool concept I'll, I won't stay too long on, but, you know, before we had language, the way that we communicated was through vision and feeling and what essentially is telepathy. Mm-hmm. 
And as I'm sure you know, and most people who have done plant medicines with <laughs> other human beings, is that we can tap back into telepathy. Yes. Actually, quite easily. Yes. By getting out of the way and mm-hmm. you know getting out of getting away from the the thinking mind, mm-hmm. um, and we can communicate with each other through like facial expressions mm-hmm. and through like subtle like subtle body language and through like actual feeling and like willing our feeling almost to another person Mm -hmm. but the the thing with language is that you know we've developed you know our prefrontal cortex like 150,000 years ago 200,000 years ago and with that um this ability to create language as well as like identity and you know, shit started to go south pretty shortly <laughs> after, depending on how you how you think of it. Yeah. But but with that language, it's like we we time travel. Mm-hmm. Like we're recording a podcast right now in this moment that can be listened to in infinitely for mm-hmm. as long as the internet and the resources that people can listen to podcasts on exist. Yeah. And same with writing a book, same with making an Instagram post, same with sending a voice message to someone. Like there's so much power in mm-hmm. the way that we speak and there's so much power that comes from harnessing it in a powerful mm-hmm. way. But there is also so much detriment that it can cause by being oblivious to the power that it has and mm-hmm. allowing it to create like a negative reality for myself. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I am constantly noticing the thought in my mind that I am not enough that I am not good enough, that I cannot make this happen, that I will never make money doing this thing, et cetera, et cetera, without um, cultivating awareness of that. Like that, that's just my reality. Mm. Like that's, that is the world that I exist in. Mm -hmm. And simultaneously, if I take the time to begin to shift that and to recognize those patterns when they come up, what I've honestly discovered is that A, they're all there to teach me something like all of my limiting beliefs, all of my old thought patterns and stories are there to show me something inside of myself that it's out of alignment, that needs a little extra attention that wants a, that's like craving a little more love and to just be heard. Yeah. So rather than like tamp it down, ignore it, try <laughs> to like kill it or eradicate yeah. it. Even it's like, where are you coming from? Yeah. And what, what message are you actually trying to get across? Cause I know you don't actually think that I'm not enough. Like, I know you don't really believe that, but there's a part of me that is stuck somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the most powerful practices I've found is that one of my, one of my coaches led me through is a voice dialogue session mm. where we go into a meditative space And we speak to the voice of one of these patterns. So like we speak to the voice of shame, for instance. And what I I found in that session was, oh, the voice of shame like doesn't actually want me to be that person. It just wants to remind me of where I have faltered in the past, where I've been out of alignment in the past and wants me to remember to do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And like that's the power of language is that it can be that that much of a 180 that big of a shift 
It's, you know, uh, that was beautiful, man. And like, I'm a language nerd. I mean, I got started with a lifted before any other, like, you know, self-development program I did. And it's like abracadabra, right? Like that is Aramaic and literally translates to with my word, I create, right? Like we are spelling, right? And so it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, magic's not real, you know? And I'm like, okay, so if you took Instagram and you brought it back to the 1800s, would people think that it wasn't magic? Well, no, of course they think it was magic. Okay, so the things that you that I'm talking about now or that you hear about people talking like telepathy, things like that, maybe that's just technology we haven't discovered yet, right? So I think there's, you know, uh, one of the things that I've noticed specifically with words, and I love that you brought up that exercise because Training Camp for the Soul does something similar with the dinner party, right? Like actually having these things have a voice. And for me, I've, I've figured out my inner critic is where like, you know, shame and all those, you know, like quote unquote negative voices come from. You know, it's it's basically like a 14-year-old, you know, that's like mm-hmm. listening to the metal and it just like wants to like, you know, be like outlandish. But at the end of the day, it wants what's best for you, you know. It's just doing it in a backwards way. And so being able to be the head of the table and have your ego, your shadow, your inner critic, your inner child and your heart all like vo- vocalize their opinions. And I get it down on paper in a journal and then say, okay, what's the hidden message trying to come through there and how can I best serve that voice so that like – you know, it feels heard, right? Because I think just like you were saying, we stamp a lot of these things down thinking like, oh, I don't want to think about negativity. You know, really, you are not thinking about negativity. It's coming through your antenna, aka your brain as a as a result of where your frequency is at, right? So that could be the people you're around, the things you're engaging in, uh, the substances you're using, anything, right? So, you know, it's about using it as information and keeping it neutral. It's not bad or good. It just is. And so how can I best use that? And um you know, it's so interesting because the telepathy thing, I immediately thought when I knew telepathy was real was, and this is a story I'm going to have to tell on uh, this one time on Psychedelics, the other podcast, but, you know, I'll, I'll give a quick synopsis. There was a night uh, back right before Oregon Eclipse, actually, that um, it was like a month or two before uh, my cousin and I were hanging out and we decided at like 11 p.m., oh, let's take some acid. So we were messing with some liquid uh, that was reconcentrating. It was recrystallizing. And I didn't know anything about this back then. So basically, uh, we ended up eating like between 60 and 70 hits each by accident uh, at like 11 p.m., dude, on a Saturday night. And and uh, so I was forced into surrender, like straight up forced. Like there was, I mean, it was to the level, and I imagine anyone listening who knows plant medicines knows exactly what I'm talking about, where you're like, oh, I don't have an option to surrender. I am surrendering, period. Because if I don't, my psyche is going to fragment into a million tiny bits. And so when I was able to lay on the grass, luckily I, that didn't happen somewhere like Oregon Eclipse where there was a lot of people around. So I could you know, tether myself so far out. Cause I mean, again, that's, you're going to tether yourself ridiculously far when you accidentally do that. Um, I was able to like, just go drift. My cousin and I communicated telepathically for hours. There wasn't a word exchanged. And so, um, I just thought that was hilarious. He brought that up, man. And, uh, dude, this has literally been such an incredible conversation, man. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful that we got to do a double header and, uh, you know, have me on uh, your podcast and immediately have you on mine, man. It's so awesome. And I'd love to get you on uh, this one time on Psychedelics as well, because it's uh, it's going to be a fun ride, dude. <laughs> and I feel we both have so many stories uh, that I'd love to share on there. And um, so for those listening who want to connect with you and who want to work with you, who want to learn from you, where can I send them to, to find out where you're at? Mm. 
Yeah, thank you, brother. And also, I didn't even know you had another podcast called This One Time on Psychedelic. It's so not out yet, technically, but by the time this episode's out, it'll be out um, so I can, you know, state it. But it's going out like the second week of February. Yeah. So, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, Instagram is currently the best place to find me and all of the subsequent links of things that I have. Um, so that's just underscore Ian Mills. Um, you can go to becomethebridgebetween.com if you want to learn more about that community. We offer a free weekly men and women's circle every Tuesday at 530 Pacific. Um, so you can sign up for that there. We're, we, you know, we do, we come together as a co-ed space for like 15 minutes drop in and then we split off into men and women. Then we come back again. Um, and we've got a lot of workshops coming up. Um, I'm on, I'm recently on Clubhouse. So I'll, I'll be on, on there soon. <laughs> when I get rid of this Android. That's <laughs> yeah, just at, at Ian Mills as well. Um, and yeah, I think I think that about, about does it. Currently, the podcast is out as the Ian Mills podcast available on Spotify and anywhere else. Um, I imagine by the time this one comes out that it will have been shifted to the bridge between. Dude, that's amazing, man. And uh, so I got one last question for you, man, if you're up for it. You up for it? Please. All right. So if someone listening wanted to highly optimize their life and can only change one thing, what would Ian Mills suggest that change be? Cultivate a relationship with your inner world. Mm, Beautiful, man. There's a large spectrum of ways (laughs) to go about that. Beautiful. But learn how to learn how to listen to yourself that's beautiful man and uh yeah accurate and uh agreed on a deep spiritual level man like that's been the number one thing for me that's like shifted my whole entire life and so uh yeah it's i mean of course you know that you'd have that <laughs> we line up at everything so of course you'd have the same answer i would give <laughs> guys as i stated in the intro As soon as I met Ian, I knew he had a very important message, and the ability to keep that message easily digestible, which is a rarity in the world of coaching and self-development. His unique way of combining ancient wisdom, ancient teachings, new age philosophies, and music with lighthearted fun creates a beautiful path for any person, regardless of age or gender, to walk and benefit highly from. Do yourselves all a favor right now and give him a follow and stay updated on what he is up to because he is one of those individuals that is creating a positive ripple effect for the whole world to feel. Speaking of creating positive ripple effects, being able to share people like Ian with all of you and have the opportunity to interview such incredible change makers in the world lights me up to the deepest depths of my being. And by you sharing the show with those you love and leaving five-star reviews on iTunes, you are helping me so much in reaching as many people as possible with this show to which I am eternally grateful for. Ian, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And until next time, my brother, journey well, be well. Much love over to you. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, 
social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom-branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.